Now, would you awaken us, quicken us as we look into your word? We wouldn't just be hearers, but that we respond with full obedience in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, today I'm going to finish a series I began back on Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday. And uh, here it is now, approximately 50 days later, it's Pentecost Sunday. And I want to, uh, it, it began, it was a series called Lessons from the Resurrected Jesus. And it began, began with a thought in my mind, Lord, did I wonder if the Father had a specific plan in his heart for how Jesus would spend those 40 days from the time he rose again from the tomb to the 40 days later when he ascended up to heaven in front of the eyes of the disciples. Was there a specific plan? And if there was, was it related in some way to preparing his disciples, to preparing the church to carry on in victory and holy zeal so that Christianity could spread throughout the earth and prosper throughout the earth all the way up until the Lord returns. And I have to say, as I looked into Scripture, I believe that is true. I believe the Father had a specific plan that involved greatly preparing his disciples, and he's doing that even today. The Acts 1 verse 3 has been our springboard verse. I want to just read part of it that kind of supports this premise I had in my head. He appeared to them, Jesus appeared to them, over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. So there it is, 40 days. He spoke to them about the kingdom of God, passing on lessons. So far, we've looked at six appearances of Jesus in his resurrected body related to six lessons that he, I believe, was imparting to us before he ascended. And um, there are lots of lessons that we can draw, but in this final part of this, I want to draw our attention to the time when these two disciples, Cleopas was the name of one of them, and then the other doesn't have a name in Scripture, doesn't name him or her. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, the, the two disciples uh, encountered Jesus on the road to Emmaus in Luke 24. And um, there are lots of lessons here, but there's one in particular I, I want to highlight. Um, and that is where when Jesus appeared to them, he accepted their invitation to stay with them and to break bread with them. The one truth, there's one truth in particular that I want us to look at. Because I believe it's a truth that the Lord is emphasizing in this hour of crisis that we're experiencing both in our nation and in our world. And it's the importance of community, of coming into unity as believers during this time of crisis. You know, the word crisis means a, a, a turning point. It means, the word crisis means a crossroads. The Greek word crisis means decision. And then in medical Latin, a crisis is described as the turning point of a disease. So we are at a time, a possible turning point 
either good or bad, going on. And we need community. And I believe Jesus is passing this lesson on in Luke 24, verses 13 through 35. It's, <clears throat> I have the New International Version up on the screen. Um, so if you don't have that, at least you can, you can follow along with what I've been meditating on. Verse 13 Beginning with this, it says, Now that same day, that's Resurrection Sunday, <clears throat> two of them, followers of Jesus, were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. Now I want to stop right there. So have you ever thought about that? It says they were kept <clears throat> from recognizing Jesus. Now, was Jesus wearing a disguise? You know, it was like the Groucho Marx glasses. Do anybody remember Groucho Marx glasses with the... Or was he like, was it like the ultimate undercover boss episode? Where if you can show this picture up there, undercover boss, Jesus actually is the ultimate boss, Right? And he was undercover there. Can you show that picture? Um, there it is. They are, you'll see it in a minute. Um, this, is a, this is a CEO of a cellular company, an Aggie, A&M Aggie. But, I, you know, I'm like, I don't know. I, don't, I know Jesus didn't go into makeup before he met with the, these disciples. But, um, you know, so what, what was going on there? Well... Remember, Jesus was in his resurrected body. And we already know his resurrected body. You don't have to keep showing it. So that wasn't, he didn't do that. Here's what happened. His resurrected body, we already know, could walk through walls, could go up and down, right, in the air. And apparently, his resurrected body could change form. He could you know, not be recognized. So that's what he did. They're, they're walking along. Verse 13, wait, I already did. Verse 17, they're, they're walking along, and then Jesus kind of sidles up next to them as they're walking, and they don't recognize it's, it's Jesus. Verse 17, he, that's Jesus, asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast, so they were walking, and then this someone they don't recognize comes up and says, what are y'all talking about? Because, see, they were in such a state of depression, confusion. Here's Jesus had been crucified. He was buried. This was three days later, and they're, they're wondering. You know, they'd heard some rumors he's risen. But they're walking along, and then when Jesus asked them, what are y'all talking about, they stop. And their heads are down. And it says they were downcast with their faces. One of them, Cleopas, asked him, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? Now, I know that's sad because they're downcast, but think about it for a minute. This is, this is Cleopas talking to God saying, God, don't you know what's going on? I mean, he doesn't recognize who it is. So he's like, Jesus is God come in the flesh. He says, don't you know what's going on? I was telling this to the staff on Wednesday. I said, 
you know, this is kind of interesting. It's actually kind of humorous when you look at it at one level. Don't you know? It's like, God, don't, don't you have a clue? Where have you been? Uh, you know, and then uh, Sloan back there, he goes, yeah, where have you been, Jesus? Under a rock? And then Kyle goes, yeah, that's exactly where he was that morning. Get it? He was behind the rock in the tomb. The staff, it was a lot funnier in staff. It was so funny. I, we have fun at staff, just by the way, just so you know. So Jesus had been, the stone was rolled away. Verse 19, what things, he asked. So Jesus is kind of still playing along. What things, have, you know, have happened? And he said, about Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. They, we had hope. There's a lot of that going on right now. Hope, the hope is gone. We had hoped. Verse 27, and beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he, Jesus in disguise, explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. So here's Jesus, the word of God made flesh. So here's the word explaining from the word about the word. All right? I just had to say that phrase. I love that. The word's explaining from the word about him, the word. And so he's walking along, and they're listening. Now, the main lesson, paragraph B here under Roman numeral 2, is found in verse 28 and 29. The main lesson I want to hone in on today. As they approached the village to which they were going, Emmaus, they conti Jesus continued on as if he were going further. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. And Jesus took them up on the offer to stay with them. Now, I just love this. Jesus was continuing on as if he was just going to keep going. But I believe in his heart, he was hoping they would invite him in. Okay? He, he's going along, and they urge him. Now, when I read this, ver this word urge in the NIV, I was cut to the heart. I'm being honest, they urged him to come and stay with them. They still didn't know it was Jesus. They knew he was most likely a disciple since he knew scripture. But they urged him. And I thought, the Lord touched my heart. He said, to be convicted, Lord, when was the last time I had an urgency about encountering more of you? We sing it in the prayer room in Kansas City, the International House of Prayer. I have a desperate need to know you. And I thought, it's been a long time since I've been desperate to know you more. Because after all, I'm saved. I know you. I mean, I've been a pastor. And, but I have a desperate need. And I thought, why? Why, Lord? Why are you convicting me that I want to have an urgency and he said, in my, back in my heart, he says, because there's a warfare going on for your heart. 
Every day there's a warfare. Kyle said it a few weeks ago, the battleground is in our heart and it's a battleground for beauty to capture our heart. And either the beauties that the enemy is offering us will capture our heart or the beauty of the Lord will capture our heart. So I've begun praying this since I saw the word urged. I prayed this prayer, Lord, would you help me to feel a greater urgency to encounter more of you? Verse 29, so he went in to stay with them. Seems like not a big deal that Jesus would go in to stay with them, but it stood out to me that he did that because by accepting their offer to have fellowship, Jesus was saying, I value community with those who name my name. He could have said, he could have been walking, Jesus, come in. He could have said, no, no, thank you though, but, you know, I've got important things to do. After all, I'm God. And, you know, I I rose from the dead this morning, so I've got people to see. I've got places to go. But he didn't because Jesus was teaching us something. I, the God of the universe who've just risen from the dead, I'm going to have dinner with you. I'm going to come and sit with you and break bread with you. Can you show that picture? This is, I got, was blessed to be able to be over in Israel. It was kind of a, a house that kind of looked like this, uh, just kind of stone, not, not very fancy. But Jesus is teaching them. Verse 30, when he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. When they recognized it was Jesus, he disappeared from their sight. So stop right there. That's another thing his resurrection body could do is disappear. They asked each other, verse 32, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? Now, there are so many lessons in this whole passage. I mean, you could do a whole series on the lessons here, but I want to stay focused today on this idea of community, and I think you're going to see why in a moment. Roman numeral three, Jesus and the early church were all about community. And as this continues to come in my mind today, community means coming into unity as the church. They were all about community. In Luke 24, later on in this very chapter, Jesus appears seven miles miles away back in Jerusalem. Remember, Emmaus was seven miles. Jesus appears to the 11 disciples, and he says to them, does anybody have anything here to eat? And they give him a piece of broiled fish, It says he took it and he ate it in their presence. Now, it doesn't say this in in any more detail on that, but I have a thought that he probably didn't just eat the fish and then, you know, go on. I think they sat down and ate together because Jesus was all about spending that kind of, that time together. You know, instead, you know, he's like, let's, Let's, let's eat together. And Now, I know he ate the fish to prove to them he had an actual 
physical resurrected body, right? And those of us who know, you know, he ate the fish to say, hey, I'm not just a ghost. I'm not just a vapor cloud. I'm going to eat this fish to show you I have a physical resurrected body. But he could have done that a number of ways. He could have done a lot of proofs that he had a physical body. Instead, he did it, I believe, probably by doing what he'd done so many times. He ate with them and he hung out with them. Hmm. Then John 21, verse 12, Jesus says this. This is his third appearance to the disciples. Uh, Peter and a number of them have gone out and caught a miraculous catch of fish. Okay, they didn't do well the first time, and they didn't know it was Jesus. He's yelling from the shore, hey, throw your nets on the right side. Then they catch this big load of fish. They come toward the shore, and Jesus is, has a fire going, and he's cooking food. And here's what Jesus says. Come have breakfast. Hey, bring some of your fish over. Let's have breakfast. It's like, hey, come, come eat. Come eat. I've got something cooking. Kaylee's making cinnamon rolls. Frederick's making his seven-layer bars. Sarah's peanut butter pie. Norm's bringing, Jesus say, Norm's bringing his deviled eggs. No, wait. Jesus would not say deviled, but... Norm's bringing his angel eggs, and what's he doing? He's saying, he's valuing, he's teaching the lesson by doing what they'd done so many times. Then in Acts chapter 1, we see that Jesus ascended before them, and and then the very next chapter in Acts 2, the disciples had, I think, learned the lesson Because Acts 2, verse 1, it says they were all together in one place. They were having community. And then what happened? Pentecost. They were all together in one place. The Holy Spirit came in Acts chapter 2. You You know that tells me? I would write this down if you're writing any notes. Community was the setting for the outpouring. Community was the setting for yeah, we I hear a pin click. It's the setting for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Then later in Acts 2, it describes the daily activity of the community of the early church. They continued in four things in the apostles' doctrine or or studying the word, in fellowship, in breaking bread, and in prayer. Now, I think they most likely did all four of those simultaneous, a lot of that. But it's right, is it up there? Uh, Acts 2.42, yeah. They devoted themselves to four things. I underlined two in the middle because I'm just wondering... The Holy Spirit, the the Lord doesn't say uh, how much to emphasize of each of those four. So I'll just venture to say it was 25% each, (laughs) right? Know our statistics, 100% fourths, okay? What if we spent more time on the middle two so we could encounter more of the outer two? 
Because God's really, he's way smarter than us. <laughs> yeah, I want y'all to eat. Yeah, Jesus was really busy, but he stopped and said, come have breakfast. Then in Revelation 3, verse 20, the glorified Jesus shows up to the lukewarm church, Laodicea. He says, he says I stand at the door, church. You're lukewarm. I stand at the door and I knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and I will sup, dine, eat, cinnamon rolls. I'm throwing little hints right now. Seriously, could it be that much of the cure for lukewarmness has to do with dining with Jesus and with his body, the community, the church? I think so. Time remaining, Roman numeral four, I want to share three benefits of community, community and three barriers to community. Three benefits and three barriers. I've already shared a few benefits, but here are three that came in my spirit. Three benefits of community are protection, provision, and strength that come from the group coming into unity. On the flip side, the enemy is working hard to fracture us and divide us and isolate us because he knows the damage we can do to his evil kingdom if we are together in unity. So he tries to get us out of unity. So there are three barriers that he works over time to try to keep us from getting together. I'll put those up. Frustration, fear, and inconvenience. Three real things that keep us from getting together. We get frustrated with each other. Well, I don't like the way he smells. I'm not saying that. I don't like the way, I don't, I don't like their theology on this point. I'm going to disagree with them. They're, they're just a little this way, or I don't, you know, so we get frustrated with each, with each other, or at least the enemy tries to stir that up. Fears. One thing COVID did was it brought a culture of fear that kept, that even said, you Christians, you can't meet together. I'll just, you, okay, now you can meet, but you need to, Socially non-contact services. Well, I don't know about... Well, then just stay online. Just be online. Fear that we're... Now, I respect, you know, that we were all navigating, but there's still palpable fear out there. Double masking out in the open air. Don't get me started, Glenn. Get back. All right, I'm back. <laughs> Frustration, fear, and then the barrier. Are you? And then the barrier of inconvenience. Well, you know, I've got my schedule. I, it's it's. You know what? Community. A lot of times, it's just plain hard work and not and not always being convenienced. 
Well, let's have someone over. Ah, I got to clean the house. Well, they got kids. What if they break my expensive vase, you know? You know, it's, it's inconvenient. I don't want to be inconvenient. Oh, Friday night lights, we're going to have a pot luck, pot bless. Well, that means I got to bring something, which means I have to cook something. Or I'll just run by canes, canes and no. We could do that. I'm just going to read this paragraph, paragraph A, and I added a few this morning over the last couple of days. I'm just going to read it word for word. Roman numeral four, paragraph A. Since COVID, I guess, what did I say? Yeah, since the pandemic began in March of 2020, there has been an unrelenting succession of crises that have come to America. Violent crime crisis, supply chain crisis. I'm going somewhere with all this, by the way. I'm not just ranting. This isn't old man get off my lawn type of thing. (laughs) Violent crime crisis, supply chain, baby formula crisis, CRT crisis in schools, young children, transgender issues with young children and throughout, government overreach with vaccine mandates, big tech censorship, a mental health crisis, attack on the Second Amendment, border crisis, inflation, wars, and rumors of wars. And what crisis does is it reveals any kinds of weaknesses in our own spiritual makeup. Crisis reveals weaknesses that we need to shore up and be strengthened in spiritually. Matthew 7, 24 through 27, Jesus describes two houses that looked exactly the same. They both looked safe. They both looked secure. They both looked exactly the same until crisis happened, until a storm came and revealed that one house was built on the rock The other house was built on sinking sand. And so we need to realize that there are areas in our lives that need to be reinforced by God, by his presence, by his word, and much of that comes in the context of community. We have a sign out on the wall as you walk in. It's our vision statement of the church says move God's heart change the world if you just indulge me I'd like to add a few words here given the hour we're in a community that moves God's heart and changes the world because we need each other right now I mean the Guys, spiritually, the bombs are going off. The bullets are flying. Warfare is increasing. Darkness is increasing. And all of a sudden, you're jumping in the foxhole with somebody with churches around here. And you're like, you know, you had the luxury of arguing with them in the mess hall. But now you're jumping in the foxhole because you need each other to, to protect each other, to save each other. And you're trying to win the war. So let's give up some of this stuff. Let's be a community. I, I can't move God's heart by myself as much as I can in community. 
can't move his heart as much if I'm and change the world without community. Well, that's how important community is. More than just a Sunday morning now and then. Talking about community. Over 50 times in the New Testament, 50 times we see the phrase, one another or each other. Here's where the provision, protection, and strength come in. Listen to all these things the New Testament says that Christians in community are to do. We're commanded to love one another, pray for each other, encourage each other, admonish each other, greet each other, serve each other, teach each other, accept each other, honor each other, bear one another's burdens, forgive each other, submit to one another, be devoted to one another. I have notes out in the lobby if you want to look at them and study it. But that's how much, that's what it's about. That's where we get our provision when we do these things with one another. That's where we get our strength. That's where we get our protection. Over 50 times. You see it over and over. And what God is saying is everything that's in my heart, the Lord's saying for you, that's going to happen within this amazing context of community, with this connectedness called his church. Jesus wanted to make sure, this is very sober, he wanted to make sure that the early church realized they needed each other. So he passed on this lesson to them because he knew the Roman emperors were, were coming and they were going to arrest many of them and kill many of them just for their faith. From A.D. 37 on through A.D. 305, for over 250 years, over nine Roman emperors were brutally persecuting and uh, killing and arresting Christians. Today, these days, you don't bake the cake, you go to jail. You don't get the jab, you lose your job. You oppose baby murder, your clinic gets bombed. Or your church gets harassed. We need each other more than ever. Worship team, if you could come up. We don't do well on our own. That's the subtitle to the, lesson, the message today. The importance of community. We don't do well <clears throat> on our own. There was a, a petting zoo they had at a church. Uh, and kind of like we had a petting zoo there on the Rise and Shine Festival. Do you remember that? Okay. Well, there was a sheep there named the Buddy the Sheep. I got a picture of Buddy the Sheep. And they, not at ours, but at this other church. And the pastor's looking going, there's, you know, hey, buddy, the sheep's coming. The kids were enjoying. But there were two sheep there. And the pastor's like, why are there two? They said, well, sheep don't do well on their own. If buddy, the sheep is left to himself, he gets weird. People too, people too. And I, and I looked up Buddy the Sheep. He's actually on the internet. 
I don't know if he has a TikTok or a Facebook page, but it says this of Buddy. It says, now sweet Buddy spends his days grazing in the green grass, headbutting his friend Bruce and chowing down on grapes, his favorite food. We need each other or we get weird. I guess they had, maybe sometimes we headbutt each other, but you know, we still love each other. I was a Christian school principal. We started a Christian school in 1993 out in East Texas. From 93 to 97 before being sent here as a pastor to plant this church. And uh, the church, the, the Christian school grew and grew fast. And every year we added a grade and <clears throat> started noticing a pattern. Every Friday afternoon, something, some kind of crisis would happen. Something would happen and I'd second guess myself driving home thinking, did I handle that right? Some parent was upset or something. And it seemed like it was always Friday afternoon. And I couldn't wait. It was about a 25-minute drive to my house in Spring Hill from Kilgore area. And I couldn't, I'm driving home going, if I can just get home and tell this to Suzanne, she's going to make it all better. Because Friday after Friday, because it was like the enemy's plan to ruin my weekend. And I was like, I can't see straight. I needed Suzanne to help me not get weird. Don't you stand up if you would to your feet. We need each other. I don't have a specific altar call. I just like the music to play instrumentally. There's a lot there to process. But I just want to, I just want us to wait before the Lord and we'll see where the Lord wants to take us. I'm not gonna drag this out. There's no pressure like to, for us to do something. If this is how we go, we just, just pray and just but let's give the Lord some time. Let's just wait before him. Thank you, Lord. It's like Nate said, all eyes on him. All ears tuned to him. <clears throat>